And greetings. We're live from Nashville, Music City, USA. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and today we'll be talking about the forecast for the job market and what you can be doing to prepare yourself for the long haul as we're dealing with the coronavirus crisis. This morning, I have with me Cammie Lynn Sims, who is a human resources professional in the greater Nashville area. Also have Anthony Vlahos, chief storyteller and and head of brand and learning with ExecuNet, a company that provides assistance to seasoned executives in helping them land their ideal role in their job search. Thanks both of you for joining me and welcome to the show. Pleasure. Hi, thank you. Wonderful. Um, I want to kind of begin by noting that the Department of Labor is reporting a huge spike and unemployment rates in March. And as of last week, I reported 6.6 million Americans actually filed for unemployment, which uh, brings the coronavirus total to 17 million people. Of course, that is certainly unprecedented. Uh, Cami, I wanna start with you by asking you, have you ever seen anything like this? Um, no, not in my lifetime. I think the last time the country probably faced um, levels of economic uh, depression and unemployment was probably 9-11. Um, but since that time, you know, we've bounced back. And, and I think this is a new and crazy landscape for us um, to face. So it's very tough right now. Certainly. What about you, Tony? Uh, anything like this? I know both of you have been at this quite a while. Uh, anything you've ever dealt with? anywhere similar to this well no it's it's a challenge like no other in so many obvious fundamental ways we can all remember roughly 10 years ago when we faced a recession but that was a totally different playing field yes um so you know to to kind of start off here um you know cammy i'm going to ask you um, if we could go to Cami, I want to ask you, um, what do you think people should be doing in these uncertain times? Should they put their job search on hold right now until all of this basically settles down? Um, I definitely don't think people should put their job searches on hold because you never know, um, you know, what emerging markets or industries or roles could occur just based on the shifts um, that we're experiencing um, companies don't even know day to day what their needs may be um, just based on how things are playing out. So, you know, looking for a job, as we know, is looking for a job every day. So you should never stop. You should always, you know, continue to look, continue to build your network, connect with people um, within your um, industry and even outside of your industry, because you never know when another opportunity might present itself. Uh, that might not have, you know, even been thought of or thought to be there, you know, in, in a time um, in the future. So continuously look, continuously connect, continuously put those feelers out there, put your resumes out, resume out there, put those uh, applications out there um, and never stop. So because you never know when something might pop. It's kind of like the old sales adage. You keep pop, pop, piping, packing your pipeline um, until something pops. Right. Uh, Tony, would the advice be the same for your top level executives? Uh, is it is it any different than what what Cammie was saying? Well, yes and no. Aspects of it are different because at the executive, the senior executive level, 
it is much, much less so about putting your resume out there. It's about networking. It's about building connections, strong ties, weak ties, leveraging your unique story, what we call your, your you in value story here at ExecuNet to achieve the outcome you want. So it's a different approach at those levels. But otherwise, yes, we're telling our audience based on our view of the market and our interactions, our daily interactions with senior executive recruiters that people are hiring, companies are hiring. The overall theme is back to basics. Think food, clothing, shelter, physical health, security, things like that. And jobs are surging in those sectors. Certainly, there's hiring and upgrading of executive talent in many sectors. The ones that we've researched that are prime right now are the obvious choice of healthcare, but also industries that are different but support that sector. For example, legal and accounting, uh, telemedicine, telehealth, online education, training and development, uh, think repairs. People aren't necessarily buying new homes or cars, but they're sure repairing the ones they've got. So home car repair related service sectors, home entertainment obviously is another area where jobs are, are surging. And that's what we see for the executive market. Cammy, mm-hmm. uh, what about um, recent college grads? I've talked to a couple of them and they, they seem to be very, very concerned with how the market is, is doing right now as they're, many of them are, have just graduated either in December or will graduate uh, coming up uh, with online graduations or no graduation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be a lot of apprehension and concern. Um, what, what is the market looking like for, for the new grad? Um, well, I'm coaching a few right now. I'm working with them. And, and one of the things that we're working on is understanding to be patient, um, continue to work within your network, build your network, as Tony said, um, We're trying to make connections within those areas that they're in and help them to meet those um, seasoned and senior professionals and start to build relationships with them so that when opportunities, uh, you know, start to come about or when openings come about in the next um, upcoming weeks to months that, you know, they're top of mind for individuals or people who have met with them and connected with them say, hey, you know, I met with this recent grad. They're pretty sharp. You know, they've got their eye on the ball. Let's give them an opportunity at maybe, you know, a part-time job or something that might be um, tangential to what they, you know, graduated in or what they were looking to do. So just encourage, encouraging them to be patient in that right, um, helping them to understand that they may not go directly into uh, the area that they thought they would go into and maybe would have to take, you know, another route to get to that way. But looking at other opportunities and thinking um, out different plans, plan B, plan C, as opposed to just, you know, the plan that they thought they were going to uh, move down after graduation. Mm -hmm. Would you encourage them to uh, take a a part-time job or different type of job um, just to say, get through while they're looking for the main gig? You know, I I think for some people, finances might be getting a little tight right now, you know, having, you know, been home for a while and not everybody is getting unemployment um, or that stimulus check. So what, you know, what can people do to kind of get through? I think absolutely people have to make whatever, you know, choice that, you know, is going to work for their lifestyle. So if they need to 
you know, make their finances work. They might have to take some sort of part-time job or opportunity that may not look like what they thought it would look like right after graduation. So encouraging them to think differently than what a full-time, you know, role within their area um, of uh, degree might be, uh, you know, could be different in uh, hours, could be different in uh, the type of industry, could be different in the type of role. But, you know, if they need money, they'll have to figure out, you know, what it is. And so coaching them is not necessarily providing them with the answer, but walking them through the steps and walking them through the scenarios to help them figure out what the best option for them might be. Mm -hmm. Tony, would, would that same advice uh, apply to some of the top level executives? Um, is it, you know, do what you have to do uh, until you can do better and find that lead role that you're looking for? Or would you encourage them to stay away from that? Well, at those levels, Celeste, of course, you have developed operational leadership skills. People are looking for you to drive change, to maintain and grow organizational health to lead effectively and, and drive revenue. So those are the unique strengths that you bring to the equation and you should continue to look for opportunities where those strengths can be demonstrated and shared to make a difference. The one thing we are telling our audience of senior level people is this, where you might've ordinarily been thinking about a position in the industry, say at the other part of the country, you might want to rethink that right now. You won't be able to get there right now. So think about potentially taking a role closer to your region, which still is fulfilling at your level and helps most important that organization implement your unique skills. And then as a matter of strategy, work your way to a position in a geo or in an industry where you feel is a better fit. So that's the advice that we give our audience. Is there likely, though, to be a pay cut in that? Potentially. And again, at that level, you're thinking compensation as a package, not so much strictly salaries. So, so much is negotiable. Your salary, for example, might be something that in the near term you would want to reconsider. But consider the larger picture of comp. And there's so many components that you can unpack when you look at things that way and make the best choice for yourself based not strictly on salary, but based on comp and growth and direction and fit. Do you see yourself leading that company and do they see you as leading them? That is so critical to the equation as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, great advice. Um, Cami, I wanted to ask you, in terms of skill sets, I know you deal with a much broader audience uh, in terms of the, the types of people you've worked with over the last 25 years as an HR professional. And I wanted to ask you, um, are you seeing the necessary skill sets that people really need right now to shine? Are those skill sets kind of the same as they've always been? Are there some things that you really should be focused on in terms of what you know how to do that can really be beneficial to an employer right now? I think that um, the top 10 uh, competencies, uh, skill sets, if you will, uh, can fluctuate over the years, but I think that there are a few in that top, you know, four or five handful or category that remain true and Tony spoke to them. Um, change management, change management, agility, 
um, you know, business acumen, financial acumen, the ability to, you know, lead others. Those are going to be the ones that, you know, companies are always going to look for, whether you're, you know, um, an entry level individual, um, whether you're um, an executive level talent, because those are going to be the types of skills and competencies that as a company moves through um, different climates or different situations, those individuals with those uh, skills and, and competencies are more growth mindset oriented and can move along and typically um, fluctuate with what the company's needs or the landscape of the business tends to be. Um, when you don't possess those skills or competencies or when you have more of a fixed mindset, you tend to, that type of talent uh, pool tends to not be able to go with where the company needs them to go and do what needs to be done um, for, the, for the betterment of the business. And so if people understand, if you can have those minimal five, four, five, six competencies in your, in your toolkit, um, you will be marketable and you can be successful in pretty much any industry you set your mind to as long as you understand that industry and can get the um, requisite training for that industry um, and, and the world you want to be in. So, yes, um, Tony, I have a question for you and, and Cammy. actually, with so many people being unemployed, has this posed any unique challenges for either of you as you're trying to help people become employed? Um, how has, how have things changed for you, both of you? And we'll start with you, Tony. Your question, Celeste, relates to how it's changed for the brand or for the audience who serve both. Um, really for both. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and often it's one of the same, right? At least we should be solving their problems and addressing their challenges, which makes it really interesting for us as well. So yes, I think the, the key word here, there are a couple, but the one that leaps to mind is, is competition, right? Where yes, companies are hiring, but so many people are vying for those roles. And in many ways, that's not a new story. That's how it often usually is particularly when there are great great talented people out there and positions that are on the surface suitable for them and look like the right fit and the mission and the the vision the values of that company seem to align with yours so what that presents to us is a familiar challenge as as executive which is simply this the audience we serve are masters of so many talents and they've accomplished so much for themselves and for the organizations they've led but they're not supposed to be good at job search that's not what they do for a living they're not supposed to be a master at that their job is to go out there and master the world with their amazing gifts and talents ours is to help them identify what we call their superpower right the surprising strengths that they bring to the world that make them remarkable and we show them how to do that and how to project that story of themselves and their value so they can get back out there as quickly as possible and be great at what they're great at. So that challenge is perennial. That's round the clock. That's the thing that we stand for, that we've worked and developed and shaped into a system that helps people at that level move forward and get what they want as quickly as they can get it. What's different is sometimes everything from how quickly they'll hear back from potential employer because things are different now. Uh, 
the stage where the interview happens is more than likely video right now, if anything. Mm -hmm. And those are the main challenges, I would say as well, networking is a little different in some ways than it was, but the, the essence of the thing does not change. How can you help someone and show them who you are by what you're sharing with them? And then incredible things happen for both of you. That, that's a, a standard as well. I don't know if, if Kemi wants to step in at this point and, and share some of her I think thoughts. That's, that's actually great. That's actually what I was thinking as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, as, as far though, Cammy, uh, as it goes for you in terms of, um, are, are you getting and seeing a lot more people applying right now or are people kind of shying away from, um, you know, looking for employment? Because I would think with so many people unemployed that everybody would be, in, everybody would be sending resumes, you know, just trying to, trying to find something. Yes, uh, we, we do still receive, you know, the uh, same number of uh, resumes that we typically do um, from a day-to-day -day standpoint. Um, what, what I do see is, you know, the, the caliber of talent applying um, for the roles uh, may not necessarily be the, the fit we're looking for or may not be, you know, uh, have the requisite skills or you know, may not connect at that point. So that's unfortunate because you have so many, you know, people, you know, are out there and you want to try and, and help them, but you just, they're, they're not the right connection, not the right fit at that time. So you, you kind of feel the pinch that way. Um, and, and you, you talk to some people just to see if maybe there's something there that you can, you know, see if you can move into something or morph into some sort of fit. But unfortunately it just, it's, it's not, it doesn't work at this point. I think people are maybe grasping at straws at some point, which, you know, is understandable. Um, but unfortunately that's where I've seen a lot of, of the connectivity right now is people are just reaching out to get something. Um, and so you know, we'll move through that. And, and if we can make connections with different things as we have um, more opportunities arise in the organization and can put slot people in, in great spots, we'll do that. Um, but right now we've not been able to really make some good fits out of what we've received so far. So we're working through that. Yeah. I, I know a lot of employers are, are hearing that it's about time to get back to work. Um, Tony, do you feel people are, are ready at this point? Is, are you hearing a strategic plan rollout in terms of how do we phase people back into work and uh, keep a safe environment for workers? Yeah, I don't know that anyone, anywhere, any organization on the planet is ever fully prepared for what happened. There are steps that Certainly, we could have taken in hindsight, but that's what hindsight is, right? So regarding the present and the future, yes, organizations are actively implementing changes and most important, reflecting on what they've learned from what is unfolding daily and what is already behind us in terms of uh, everything from remote and virtual teams to motivating people to remain productive when we slip back into some new phase. I don't want to call it normal because I don't know what that is. But that's what makes it so challenging to pin down and say, here's how things will be. I think a lot of it is just 
uh, a rolling strategy, if you will, based on how things are rolling. And we try very hard to stay ahead of it and anticipate it, but that is a very difficult task. Not impossible, but it's unlikely that we'll ever be right ahead of this so that we know exactly what will happen when people step into a physical space and begin working together again. Absolutely. Um, I want to take a a second here. Um, I'm going to open it up in a little bit for people to call in with questions they may have. And so that number that you can call if you do have a question uh, for Tony or Cammie is 888 627 6008. That number again is 888-627-6008. Or you can also call in on the direct line if you happen to be out of the country and you'd like to call in. That number is 323-744-4831. And that first number, the 800 number is for U.S. and Canada. Again, 888-627-6008. 6008. If you are outside of the U.S. and would like to call in, that number is 323-744-4831. All right. I want to also start to uh, ask a couple of questions about as you're job hunting um, and you're trying to prepare uh, your resume, I know with this many people unemployed, you're going to have people who are uh, seasoned professionals who may have been in the same role for a very long time, but suddenly find themselves uh, unemployed, furloughed, and maybe, you know, some companies are, are closing altogether. A lot of small businesses are closing. So how can they prepare themselves from you know, if we want to talk about resumes and, and online interviews, I want to kind of focus on those two things. What are some things that you need to do? Because it is very, very different than when I first started working uh, two decades ago. You know, it it has completely uh, changed with the way in which you go about looking for a job. So can you all enlighten us? We'll start with you, Tony. What, what are some things that you must be thinking about as you're preparing your resume? Uh, you know, we'll start with that. The operative word is the one you use, Celeste, which is different. It's all about your differentness. I would mm-hmm. say, especially at the highest levels of the organization, no one has your exact journey. No one knows the stories you can share about how change was created where you last were or the places you've been and the people you've worked with and how you've led them and transformed them. That's a part of your story, as well as everything from certainly your experience, your skills, to the content of your character. That's all of who you are. So beginning there and getting very fundamental about what makes you unique what your unique story is, what we call the the value story here at Executive is critical because that will and must inform every aspect of where people encounter you, from your resume to your LinkedIn profile to how you network in physical or virtual space to the online interview. All those touch points are opportunities for you to help the right people see the amazing gifts you bring, the talents you possess, and most important, how you're going to use them to make change happen for your next employer. I understand, you know, you have about six seconds to really grab the attention of those who might be looking at your resume uh, on the HR side. So 
um, what is it, like when, when you look at a resume, and I'm gonna ask Cammy the same question as well, but when you look at a resume, what are you looking for? In, in, you know, as you glance at it, I mean, what about length? What about the look? All of that. Just how, how is it that you tell your story that does set you apart? What, what are you looking for when you look at that piece of paper? Oh, it's a combination of things that ideally are working together so that singularly I get a very quick impression, impression of who you are and what is very special about you. That translates into keywords and placement of keywords. Mm-hmm. I then look at the positions you've held, which ideally are organized chronologically to help me understand your journey. And I'm looking for data. At the highest level, I'm looking not just for a promise or a list of responsibilities that will not set you apart. I'm looking for data points, results, things that would tell me that essentially the promises you're making for my organization that ideally will hire you will be felt. They are real. They're not just empty words. You've done this before and you know how to make it happen where I am because of who you uniquely are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so important. Cammy, uh, what about uh, you? Are you? I know you probably get a lot of resumes have to work with a lot of different uh, skill sets, et cetera. What is it uh, that kind of grabs your eye, catches your attention as you're, you're going through some of those resumes? Um, you know, definitely taking a look at that summary or profile statement to see, you know, what, what catches your eye there and to see what that individual has to say um, about themselves in terms of, you know, not only uh, summarizing what they've done and what they bring to the table, um, but what they're looking to do, you know, what, what they can bring at that point. Um, also, as Tony indicated, those uh, data points as it relates to results in their um, prior history or prior experience, you know, what they've uh, been able to do in the past and how in terms of where they are in, at this point, what they're going to bring to the table as, as it relates to where, they, where they're asking you to take a look at them. So, uh, you know, you kind of, it, it's kind of a, I think Tony will agree with this. Over the years, your eyes just kind of hit certain things and you just kind of know, hey, this is, this is somebody I need to connect with. This is probably not right now in this time what I'm looking for. This is a no-go. You kind of have your, you know, good, better, best type pile or situation, however you categorize in your mind, but you you hit points and you look at certain things to say, okay, these are the key words of what I, I need. This person has led this, this person's done this, this person can, can, you know, see this landscape or have this in this area and you'll, you, you know, they would be somebody you need to talk to. So, um, but definitely that profile statement, definitely those results uh, in those past history. You, you look at certain corporations that they've worked at as well, the time that they've spent there, because uh, depending on what, what they're looking to do and and where you're looking to work with them at. They may have certain um, accomplishments through those organizations that, uh, you know, they can bring to the table that might be um, very marketable. So you look at that as well, but those are some of the things that very quickly you summarize and, and can understand what you would need to do with. You've both thrown out the term or catch term uh, keywords. And one of the things, um, I, I was really uh, surprised. It was a couple of years ago. I went to a uh, 
little seminar they were having uh, with uh, a, a recruiter for a, a very large company. And she mentioned um, how a lot of people don't have the time anymore to go through a thousand resumes that they may get. So they use artificial intelligence now and use those keywords. And somebody who, you know, may not have had job hunted for last couple of years who suddenly finds themselves having to search for a new job may not quite be familiar with that. Can one of you elaborate on how that works and how you can know which keywords would, you know, because you have to basically be able to tell your story now using the right keywords. So Tony, do you want to elaborate on that and how you help people to get their resume right, if you will? I can. Well, you're, you're writing for, for two very different beings. You're writing for a machine and you're writing for a human. The machine is, is the applicant tracking system that's going to pull out keywords. And, and ideally, they will match up in some algorithmic, magical way with what the recruiter that's been sent on this task to find you is looking for. And that's how to be found by a machine. At the same time, and that's why they're critical to have them in the right place and the right measure in your resume. Beyond that, though, you're writing for a human being, someone who might look at an assembly of words. I kind of think of uh, magnetic poetry at times, you know, where you're putting certain words together that a human would look at and say, that's special. That's a gift. That's not just uh, a list of words put in that order with some glue between them, some alchemy. That says to me, this person is very thoughtful about who they are, what difference they can make, what value they'll create for my company. That's a very different statement from just a list of words. So you're kind of writing for both when you're preparing your resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cami, do you want to add anything to that? Have you worked with uh, the new artificial intelligence to, you know, narrow down the resumes before you begin actually selecting those few that you want to bring in for interviews? I've worked on it from a pilot side, um, and actually, uh, it, it is very interesting um, because being in the pilot program, we had to, as HR talent, load our own resumes into it, and it told us what we were qualified to do in the organization um, before the, the actual AI program was ran out into the, the organization at large. And it, Tony's correct. It looks for certain things and then it matches you up to say, you know, this is what we feel you are skilled to do. And it was interesting because it virtually brought back two positions that I was qualified to do within the organization, a company that was a global organization. And with 25 years of the business, you would think, okay, I would have more than two positions open in, in, uh, you know, there were about 263 HR positions open at the time. So it's very interesting that you do have to understand the words that this, you know, um, algorithm is searching for. Um, So it's a a very um, skilled uh, situation to work with and and understand. Um, You know, I'm not masterful in AI uh, resume writing at all. You know, I'm I'm more more skilled on the side of the human touch and and helping individuals uh, when they're going to be working with, you know, uh, search firms or organizations where they're in front of someone and they have that capability to demonstrate, you know, their uniqueness and what they bring to the table from a talent perspective. Um, But the the fact of the matter is AI is present. It's very prevalent and it 
is in some format, you know, a lot of what we work with, we just have to understand, you know, what it is. And in terms of when we're going for opportunities, is that going to be a part of what we're um, having to connect with? And if so, you may have to, you know, prepare yourself to understand how to uh, be a desirable candidate in, in that landscape. So, Right. And I think um, that could be a challenge for, for many older workers. And, and mm -hmm. having yeah. said that, um, are we seeing age discrimination? And either of you can uh, elaborate on this if you'd like. Um, age discrimination as an issue uh, with, with many companies. Um, how does one best navigate around that? I can, I can start. Well, age bias is real, as so many other forms are. And what we tell our executive members is simply this. Be clear on what you can control and what you cannot control. You cannot control your age. You will show up and people will see. You might look younger in places, but eventually you'll be found out. And that's not a bad thing. But you make it an issue when you make it an issue. You do control, not your age, not your number, but the story of you. You can shift very easily a hiring manager's attention from, wow, he or she looks old, to, my goodness, look how much knowledge they have. Look at the people they've touched with what they know and how they've led. And most important, in, in, with hard data points, the difference they've made at the organizations they've been with. That's a story you can control. That's a story you want to tell. So that suddenly they're not thinking about how old you are. They're thinking about how do I get this person on board to lead us and in many ways teach us to be a better organization. I know, um, though, the culture also is something that one would have to think about and, and know what to prepare for in terms of that culture. Um, I don't know if, if either of you would like to address that, but I think it's very different. Um, I've noticed a more relaxed culture than it used to be. You know, a lot of companies, you can wear flip-flops and T-shirts and, and, and that type of thing. So how would you say for uh, folks to best prepare um, walking into that type of environment because I've heard people say, I don't know what I should wear, you know, and I've heard people say, don't come in here with a suit, you know, <laughs> these types of things. So how, how, you know, how can you best be prepared for the type of uh, corporate culture you may be walking into? Kami, do you want me to start or do you want to take this one? Oh gosh, I think, I think it, uh, I'll, I'll take it. I, sure. I think it hinges upon um, the, the question that we just uh, talked about with, from a generational perspective, I think we're now at a, at a time um, in our society and in our environment where generationally, I mean, biases and corporate cultures are just a thing that you, you never know what you're up against and you can't control either of them. And so you have to just, um, you know, do the research, study the landscape, and it's incumbent upon the individual to ask the questions and do the research to find out, you know, what, what it is they're walking into, what type of culture, you know, what type of environment, and, and is this the place that, you know, is receptive to generations of all, you know, types, and uh, what is the corporate culture, what is the landscape there, and, and how do we, you know, what is the 
business we do here? How do we, how do we come to do work here? And you can ask those questions of individuals with whom you network. You can ask those questions of the recruiters who you engage with through the process. Um, as you get to know the organization, I mean, you can do your own reconnaissance and, you know, study the organization, you know, by, you know, in, in uh, times before we were sheltering in place, you know, you can simply, you know, go downtown if the, the place was downtown and, and watch as they come and go for lunch or something of that nature and see how the individuals dress on Monday versus Friday, you know, and see if it's relaxed throughout the week with dress code or if it's, you know, more uh, rigid through on Monday through Thursday and more relaxed on Friday or that, that sort of thing. But I think um, that is a, a good point, Celeste, to try and understand, you know, what you're walking into because some people, especially those of um, older generations just, you know, aren't comfortable or, or aren't aware um, and, and younger generations, vice versa, aren't comfortable and aren't, aren't aware that there are two separate situations of how you dress, how you behave, how you conduct yourself at work. What are the, you know, social mores and, and uh, types of things you do and don't do at work, things you say, ways you appear at work, how you treat one another at work. It's just, it's a totally different landscape uh, to both sides. And we are now at one time, if not any other time in our world, where we've got a mix of five generations, at least within the work world. And so we've got to not only recognize this, but understand it and learn how to work around those generational um, and cultural differences within the environments that we work in and, and do it in such a way that we are still successful as businesses. So yeah, indeed. I don't care about you. Excellent points. Um, Tony, did you want to add anything to that? Uh, well, when you know you have the job and you've accepted the offer, ease your way into the way people dress where you're working. That will become clear very quickly. But when you're seeking to get the position, especially at that high level, dress like an executive for the interview. Don't show up thinking you'll look like someone else who works there because you don't yet and you don't really know what the culture is yet. You're finding out the interview is both a conversation and an investigation and a lot of things are revealed and there's certainly a whole lot you can research. But we advise our executives to show up at the interview, whether it's virtual, in other words, video interview or in person, and dress for that part. And then once you have it, absolutely ease into the way um, with style. In both cases, and this is a very important thing we, we share as well, because part of your, your appearance is, or your style is, is a part of that. Who you are, it helps explain you. It doesn't define you, but it certainly could explain you. So dress for the part. Um, show some style, and when you have the role, change it up and still be you, but fit in as well to the, the place where you're working and leading. Yeah, you just mentioned online interviews, and I know, again, for a lot of people who may have worked a job for last, you know, 10 years or, or more, um, they maybe have never done an online interview, and although we have a culture now where we're on TikTok and all types of social media. Um, how would, or, or what would you say actually to those people who might not be so comfortable with an online interview? I know that a lot of people are having to move in that direction, but you know, how do you prepare for that? 
Well, the first piece of advice is get comfortable because it's going to be around for a while. <laughs> and especially if you have a, a need now and you're, you're in search, uh, A, don't, do not give up because of what we've said earlier, both Kim and I, there is opportunity out there and be ready for it. It's, it's so critical to prepare. Online interviewing has its, its nuances and we can unpack it over the course of a whole other hour. But I will say in brief, uh, you are essentially working from your own private movie set and it's probably at your home right now so be sensitive to lighting be sensitive to noise reduce the noise adjust the lighting so people can see you consider your background it doesn't have to be totally bare but if it's really busy what will happen is the person you're talking to will be looking past your shoulder, wondering what that trinket is, who's in the picture, suddenly you won't have their attention. You won't create the affinity that you want, which is what you really want at every interview, an affinity. Yes, we're talking about your skills and your background, your experience, but we want them to like you, be into you in some way and see if you're a fit. That's what so much of this comes down to, right? So keep your hands in front of you. Don't fidget. Um, don't be so relaxed that you're leaning back and people are thinking this person doesn't really want this job. But don't be so intense either that uh, they think, how could I possibly work with this person? They're too intense. So it's really a balancing out. There's an, there's an art to it. But most important, uh, focus on the things that both Kem and I have drawn your attention to, which is tell your story, uh, ask your questions, be responsive, ensure that people really see you as best as they possibly can. You're not your resume. There's a whole story about you that mm -hmm. the interview is waiting for you to fill with who you are and the difference you can make and, and connect with the person you're mm -hmm. across from, whether it's on a screen or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Cammie, are there classes you can take or, you know, are, are there things that you would recommend like a test run through with a friend or, you know, what's up? Mm -hmm. Because I've seen people, I've seen people do a lot of things incorrectly being a communications professional i see sometimes where people's heads are cut off or you know they don't even quite know how to set up the camera or say the lighting is off you can't really see them they're standing in front of a window and it's relatively dark and so all those things are obviously going to be a distraction mm -hmm. so you know if you had to give that advice what would you say in terms of uh, how to best prepare to go on camera and be be online if you can't do it yourself, if you're not, you know, comfortable and, and good with technology, um, get a coach. If you can't get a coach, get someone who interviews professionally and can assist you. If you can't get some, you know, a friend who hires or, or you know, works and, and has interviewing in their, you know, toolkit, if you can't get them, get a friend who will tell you the truth and be up front with you to help you so that they will, you know, help you do the right thing. But, but the, you know, the bottom line is you do need to practice. Like Tony said, you do need to be serious about this. You do need to set it up, you know, prior than five minutes to the interview and make sure that everything is a go and probably do another test. You know, if you, if you want this, if this is serious to you, you want the, the job, you want people to, you know, take you seriously. And, and you may not get that particular role, but you, the, the point of it also is to get comfortable, get familiar with how this works 
and to be able to do these sort of things. Because quite honestly, even with this, this is just one of the, the things you'll have to do uh, in the work world. You'll have to set these things up and have meetings like this in the work world. You'll have to be responsible for things of this nature at some point in your job. And so this is just part of that, you know, that you'll move into. So learn how to do it, master it, and, and move on to it. Yeah, I've actually had to do quite a bit of training with people on Zoom and, and helping them mm -hmm. to navigate in because sometimes their settings aren't right. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sitting there tapping into the computer to try to, you know, yes. to just get them set up to be able to be on. So uh, mm -hmm. I think if you don't know how to do something, I think that's great advice mm -hmm. that you, you need to seek out a coach or a professional. And I, when you mentioned the word coach, would that be like a career coach, Cami, or... You know, who who could, you know, best serve people in this capacity? You mentioned HR professionals, but when you say coach, did you mean a career coach or, you know, if they were looking up online, what would they be looking for in terms of the type of person that would have that skill set? Job coach, executive coach, career coach, uh, they're, they're coined and termed as different things. I, I don't necessarily know the, the rationale behind why different people maybe name their, themselves differently. They may have other skills to offer, but essentially you're looking for, if you want to improve yourself in your job search, you're looking for a job coach or a career coach. And these are individuals that can come in and help you with um, you know, your, your resume, your interviewing skills, um, your presentation skills, uh, and the things that you need to understand about going out into the world to find a job. And, and you can do it entry level, you can do it mid-career, you can do it, you know, all the way up to executive level. It's just, it's an executive coach for executive levels, like what Tony provides, the services he, he provides. So, but you definitely need to understand um, how they can help you with that. And what about education? Would you recommend, though, like if um, you've had a dead, you know, dead end, you just aren't finding anything, and... I mean, I think a lot of people are wondering, how long might this be? I have talked to people and they're like, you know, I've, I've been looking, I've anything open, and I'm actually seeing uh, notices uh, that, that pop up online uh, saying, you know, due to the coronavirus, we're not really hiring right now. So do you all, I, I, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but... Do you think that's going to kind of be opening up soon, Tony? Uh, where do you think we're, we're headed uh, in terms of, you know, when we should really think that, hey, it's probably going to be fine by about this time? The hiring cycle for senior level roles is usually lengthy to begin with, mm -hmm. anywhere from six to nine months or longer, depending mm -hmm. on so many factors. It is difficult, as you said, because no one has that crystal ball to know how much longer or protracted that cycle will be. But again, the companies are hiring now as we're sitting here. Interviews are happening. Offers are being made. Maybe not in all the usual or all the sectors, but certainly in, in so many of them. And where it's not happening, those organizations are planning. They're thinking through what they will need as we emerge from this and mm -hmm. head into a recession, which might be short-lived. No one knows exactly, but changes afoot, which means leaders are wanted, people with perspective and a fresh view of how to solve problems. 
and fix things, they're in demand. And that process begins like right now. So to Cammy's point, prepare. That's what we tell our audience. Be ready. You can't control uncertainty, but you can certainly prepare and make change happen for yourself by taking the steps to get there. And it's uh, here at Executives, it's a, as I said, it's a, a system we've developed over 30 years, which with our exclusive complement of coaches and recruiters and strategists and communication experts, digital or otherwise, graphic artists who come together and help you shape and prepare to make that journey as short as it can possibly be. Mm-hmm. What about um, going back to school? I know uh, sometimes it's important to retool yourself. How do you know when it's like time to maybe, uh, I've been doing this a while, but I'm not quite getting to the next level where I want to be. You know, is it time to go back to school or, or do you have to, you know, go, go fully back to school or can you just take a course or two? What would you say to those uh, professionals, Tony, as they're, you know, thinking about, uh, is it time for me to retool and, and get some additional skills? I don't think most of us like the idea of going back to school because of the connotations, teacher, grade, uh, physical structure, terrible cafeteria food, you know, <laughs> but learning Learning's a different thing. <laughs> Learning is an endeavor that at the senior level is ongoing. It doesn't matter how, how high you ascend, you must always be learning mm-hmm. because the code word for that is learning, but the implications are innovation, creativity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, growth, productivity. All those things are part of a learning experience and environment that ideally you're always working in and have made part of your career it's part of your journey so learning is what we offer at execunet and it's not education with any formal structure around it but we workshop through resumes we teach you how to present yourself we show you ways to be visible on linkedin and create affinity with the people who are checking you out that's all learning and when you're in role in the world of work that's something that is a part of your growth, as we said. It's something they should never give up on and, and think is not part of your job. Mm-hmm. As we're kind of winding down here, I am going to check to see if we have any uh, callers calling in. I want to reiterate that number. You can call in if you have a question uh, for Tony with Executive or Cammy, who is a HR professional. You can call. Again, that number is 888-627-6008. And um, I'm going to, while I'm checking on that, I'm going to go back to Cami really quickly and ask you, um, do you feel the same about the uh, education piece of it? Um, At what point would you recommend, because I know you coach a lot of people, what would you say to those people? Should they be working one-on-one with a professional or would it might, well, you know, what time do you think, uh, depending on the skill set, someone needs to, to go back to school? Um, I, I definitely think learning is dynamic um, and it depends on the individual. I mean, you should always, um, you know, be attending whatever type of, uh, you know, webinars or different 
courses that you can take um, while you're within a role or even now if you're outside of a role and if you have the opportunity to take on some sort of free course or um, uh, some sort of learning that you can take. It may not have to be a full semester or you may not have to enroll in some sort of, you know, uh, class or a structured formal learning through a university, but it could be something that you can take on to pick up a new skill or pick up a certification. I mean, that that's something people can consider. Um, I think it depends on the individual and where you're at and where you're looking to get to and if it makes sense to take on um, some sort of uh, structured or uh, learning or pick up something else. I mean, um, when you coach people, you have to work them through, you know, why are you doing this? What's the end result? What are you looking to attain? And what's this going to do for you? You know, if you do this, I think sometimes people, and, and I've done it myself in the past where you, I think I need to get more education. And you think that makes you automatically more marketable. Uh, it's going to, you know, command a better salary. And, and sometimes that may not be the case. So you look at what is the goal, what's the intended outcome, and then how does this help, you know, measure up to that. And if it, if it doesn't, look at some other options or opportunities that could move you that way. You know, there, there could be things you could do that might, you know, connect you in different ways within your network that provides you with that same ex exposure, education, you know, or experience that are not formalized, structured, and don't take as long and cost as much. So I think it's just about um, mapping out what you're trying to do, being very thoughtful and planful and strategic about it, and figuring out the best way to get to your end result. And then that can ultimately help you. Yeah, it's important, I think, like you said, to have goals and seeing how what you're looking for matches up to that. Great point. Mm -hmm. um, as we prepare to wrap up here, um, I wanted to kind of leave on a note, just talking about as people kind of get back into the, the workforce, what things um, should they, from a health perspective, I don't know if, if Cammie, you could speak to this because I know... Um, you work for a lot of different companies. Are What are you hearing in terms of preparation? Um, are people wearing um, the uh, face coverings, the masks, and things like that? Um, are they going to, should they be provided by employers? You know, what types of things are going on there? It's interesting that you say that. I'm actually in the office today. Uh, we're working here. Uh, we've received bandanas. We've received um, some of the other requisite supplies. So we are um, going to uh, send out into the workforce um, kits for the uh, branches to make bandanas and provide them to the workforce face protective coverings um, for the workforce. So we feel like, um, you know, as part of, uh, it's part of our responsibility to ensure that if we want, you know, a safe and, and healthy workforce, um, we help do things of that nature. So you know, of course, everybody's unable to get the masks, but we can do what we can do by providing certain things for them and the bandanas for part of that. So um, I came in today to count that out and, and get that situated so that Monday our compliance team can, you know, get that together and, and make that happen. So I think that, you know, businesses, uh, you know, it's an all hands on deck approach from a leadership perspective. Uh, you take a look at what needs to be done and, and if you want, you know, your workforce to be safe and, and you want the business to be viable, 
um, you, you kind of take a look at what's uh, going on out there. And, and Tony made a, a very um, great point uh, a little bit ago about um, every day, you know, this, this is different. You, you do what the business needs based on what the day calls for, because we don't know what's going to happen within that period and what's going to change by the next day. I think a few weeks ago, things were changing within a 24 hour period. Um, and so, you know, right now we're doing what we need to do to keep the workforce safe and healthy and, and make them feel secure and let them know that, you know, we appreciate and them and they're valued. And today it's about getting those masks out there and getting sanitation supplies in um, on time and to them and in the right quantities and making sure everybody is, is healthy here. So that's what you do. Great, great. <laughs> Great job, and thank you guys for this. Uh, Tony, I'm going to leave you with the final word. Anything you'd like to add? Gosh, um, I love what Cammy just said. I guess what I'll add is I hope that we've used this, this difficult, nearly impossible time to gain some perspective on so many things about mm-hmm. our careers in particular, I guess, in this context what difference are we making? What kind of a CEO am I really? What kind of a CMO, a CIO? What what am I contributing? Although I'm not physically with the people around me, how am I touching them? How am I helping my consumers? Have I been authentic during this time? Did I just offer a promo code with the words, uh, we're in this together and think that was enough? I hope more of us didn't think that way. Not that those are unimportant things, but the depth of that has to transcend this time so that ideally we're thinking about those very things and how precious life is long after this crisis has dissipated. Notice I didn't say gone away, but I I think that's the thing that ideally we as, as workers and people will take from this time and, and use to change things in so many ways that we'd never dreamt were possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you both. Thank you, Tony. And thank you, Cammie, so much for joining us today on the Celeste wow. Show. Thank That's you for having all us. Time we have for now. We'll be back in two weeks on Friday at 11. We hope you'll come back and join us again for our live show. We also have our podcast on Apple Radio, where you can tune in and re-listen to this broadcast. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Tony. Bye, Kimmy.